Hey, everybody. Welcome to the 24th episode of the Socially Distanced Podcast. My name is Bill Bodkin. I am the editor-in-chief of thepopbreak.com. And yes, episode 24, that means we are one week away from Al and I's regrettable decision to watch the premiere of the failed Fox sci-fi drama Point Pleasant, which somehow I found on YouTube. It's going to be terrible, but we're strapping in on it, strapping it in on Labor Day, and we're going to watch it. It's going to be terrible. We hope you join us. Um, Al is not here at the moment. He's uh, deciding to have fun, which is nice. Um, He deserves a break. He moved. It's 2020 has been a year for him. Uh, But I am joined by basically the other hosts of this podcast. Uh, We didn't make an August cutoff, but we're here in September recording this. So we'll say it's the August cutoff. It's like the equinox of August. I don't know what I'm talking about. We are joined from California, our music editor, Kat Manos, and the illustrious and wonderful Cole Rothrocker. Guys, <laughs> how you doing? I'm sure I butchered your name. Uh, how you guys doing? Good, good. Uh, we're alive. We've, we made it to September somehow. Yes. I think. And I added an extra R in your last name. That's what I did. I said uh, Rothracker instead of Rothaker. It's uh, basically right. Yeah, I could have called you, also called you Cole Trickle, but I know that's a long story behind that. <laughs> Cole's like, oh, I regret coming on these podcasts with Bill Hose. Uh, <laughs> better than uh, Jonathan Ross, who once read my name out loud. Oh, yeah, he, he on a, national television. I put a W in it. Rothwacker, right? Yeah. <laughs> like, I mean, he's not right. He just has a weird accent. <laughs> Cole but now I'm going to be like, uh, now I'm going to totally <laughs> blank on who Jonathan Ross is now. I'm just like, shit. He, he's, he's the British, like, uh, talk show host who has all of the actors sit on the couch. I'm sure, I'm sure you've seen this. It also sounds, oh yes. Not, not Graham Norton. Because I was just like, that also sounds oh, wow. like Graham Norton. <laughs> okay, so not the person I was just referring to. Yes. A different British talk show host. Yeah. You're right, Jonathan Ross is the one that we're everyone's sitting around. Hey, yeah. so why did, why did why did a, a lovely British man call you the wrong name on national television? Uh, well, it was on national television. It was on YouTube, I think. Um, I mean, that's bigger than national television. That's international <laughs> streaming. Uh, More no, people he watching. was interviewing the director of Kick-Ass, and I sent in a question to be oh asked, and... He was like, here's a question from Cole Wolfacker. (laughs) Well, that's the title of the episode. Uh, So that's cool. Uh, So guys, um, happy September. Thank you so much for uh, being here for like the fourth time. We love you both. Um, Now, we want before we get into our episode, had to talk a little bit. We have a little bit of a hangover from last episode when we brought another Californian, uh, our former film editor, Dan Cohen, out of retirement. We cleaned the mothballs off of him. We uh, washed his dried tears away from Tom Brady going to the Tampa Bay Buccaneers and Tenant not coming out in a movie theater near him that he can go see right away. Um, all inside jokes on a podcast Dan's not going to listen to. Um, <laughs> we talked about DC Fandom, and I had to get your guys' opinions on two trailers in particular. Guys, first off, what did you think about the, I guess we'll just call it a teaser trailer, for The Batman, starring Robert Pattinson, who 10 years ago, if you told me, hey, you know who's going to be Batman? The guy with sparkly skin from Twilight, and he's going to look amazing in it, in my opinion. Uh, I would have said, 
you're full of shit. But here we are, 10 years later, Robert Pattinson is the Batman. Guys, what did you think of this teaser? Ladies first, by the way, so. Well, just for, I guess, uh, to, to, to sum up our feelings about the trailer, not only did Cole make us both watch it roughly 25 times, yeah, but I mean, um, adequate, nor good, good amount. Immediately in the process of this happening, I went on the the fandom, the DC fandom like site, and was mm-hmm. looking at their merch and purchased a the Batman shirt for Cole that already came, and you love it, and it's very comfortable. Yeah, yeah, I think it looks great. Um, you are a little biased. You do love I the guy, little- you know. <laughs> I I am. I mean, we, I, am well, I, mean I do too. So, but but here, here's the thing. Here's why I think the Batman actually looks pretty good. Um, for me, the bar is so low when it comes to Batman films because they have pretty much been uh, butchered, in my opinion, um, for at least the last five years, okay. and pretty much. Uh, y- all you have to really do is make a somewhat competent, well-executed vision of Batman, and that sounds perfectly fine to me. And everything that I saw from the trailer looked better than anything in Batman vs. Superman and anything in Justice League, and that look that's that looks good to me. Um, I'm curious about it. It definitely made me want to see it. Um, I have heard what the naysayers have said, and, and I understand that it looks a little basic. It looks like someone saw Seven only one time, and blah, 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 blah. <laughs> sure. Um, but I don't know. I, I'm into it just because like it looks competently made and well-executed, which I cannot say for a couple of previous Batman films. Um, Christopher Nolan, obviously, aside. But those are my thoughts. I was a little, I was a little concerned there for a second, because you're like, Batman has been done wrong for a while, Mike. Is she talking bad about her son right now? Because, like, do I call know. Dyfus? <laughs> no, 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 absolutely not. Um, uh, obviously, I love Christopher Nolan. I think I say that every podcast. Um, uh, Dark Knight Rises is not my favorite film of his. Um, no. It's It has really good moments. It has its issues. But I was mostly referring to the Zack Snyder iterations, which I've just never, ever been behind. I just... I don't like Batman. It's terrible. I, I I don't even think that Ben Affleck was very good as it. Like I don't hate him I, as a person. I don't think I, he was bad, but like I don't think he brought like anything interesting to that part. No, all I remember more than anything, which is relates to the trailer, is I think I actually had this conversation with Al, where multiple people told me after seeing Batman vs Superman, no cat, like it's really good. like he actually like. He solves crimes. He does detective work. Oh, he doesn't. And then I saw it, and I was like, "What detective work? He 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 puts in a thumb drive that's a trailer for movies that he, are to come that don't actually come." Most of the detective work he does is like he's sitting in the Batcave, and then he has a fucking dream or something that turns into uh, like a a, a flash forward, and that's like his detective work. Yeah, no, it's bad. So, but there's plenty of detective work in the Batman trailer. <laughs> It's true. Just thinking of thumb drives oh, movie trailer. The Batcave and has a dream. And that's a huge plot point. And then the thumb drive, remember? Oh, no. God. You don't remember 
for the thumb drive that he puts in, and then it's it's mini trailers of oh. future movies that oh, don't yeah. actually happen. Oh, yeah. oh <laughs> Jesus, jumping Christ. Oh, God. Oh, oh, this is making my day so much better. Literally sends her an email saying, like, this you. Oh, yeah. Yeah, he just says at, you know, uh, Diana at WonderWoman.com. Here's uh, a file attached. That's, that's you know. Oh, yeah. I remember that. Oh, yeah. Really? This you? You up? This you out? I think he really says that. This you? Oh, my God. <laughs> no, I, I really do, I do think he says this you. And it just, you're just like... Ben, I know you got that Dunkin' Donuts spot sponsorship in the bag, brother, but like, try, <laughs> try something. Oh, um, yeah. yeah. So the bat, yeah, I felt like everyone's like, oh, he's emo Batman. I'm like, yeah. Have you ever seen Batman? He kind of yeah. is emotional. Yes. Uh, it, it, does it look like he just listened to "Welcome to the Black Parade" by My Chemical Romance? Yes. Is that my 11 year old niece is obsessed <laughs> with that album? Like today, she's obsessed. Oh my god. She's ahead of the curve. That yeah, that music's gonna make a big comeback. It already it has left. Oh no! Like that, my chem reunion tour. Everyone was like, oh, "I'm gonna sacrifice a goat to this band to get tickets." They were man. There was like there was animal sacrifices. Then it was like, "Oh, not happening." COVID, and everyone's like, "Oh, I gotta get that goat back." Uh, so you know, it's weird. You went for the. To the- concert that mattered i did if everyone wants uh to hear about my experience see my chemical romance um i think i wrote about for the site no yes yes you did you, I abso- did. you absolutely did you absolutely did yeah because we kind of like it was like kind of like hey they're back and you're like i'm gonna write about the time i saw um yes. now yeah I, th- I thought the batman looked pretty awesome and i'm just like i'm in on pattinson as batman <laughs> jeffrey right the, the the cast catwoman Colin Farrell looking unrecognizable. Oh my god! Looking like Richard Kind. I know it was like. What did I say that you laughed? You're like, I was like, it's like Powers Booth, and somebody else had a kid, and you're like, yes. And I'm like, yes. Yeah. You're totally right. He just doesn't look at all like himself. It's Which is like, when Colin Farrell is out of, hey, can you be Colin Farrell? He's awesome. I think mm-hmm. like in Bruges. Yeah. Up for me. We saw him in that The Gentleman movie. He was oh, good. Oh, yeah. The Gentleman. Very underrated in a lot of ways. Yes. I, did that come out in 2020? Yes. Yes, it did. It, very, it feels like yeah. seven years ago. Yeah, I feel, it, it really was. Ay, ay, ay. So, can't believe I said that. Uh, it, so, the next one is since DC is really in on the word the, the article so much, uh, The Suicide Squad. Now, what is your guys' relationship with the original Suicide Squad? For me, it's uh, it's their drizzling yeah. shits. I mean, I just I, I think up until a certain point, I just don't think they knew what they were doing with the DC EU movies, and I think DVS and Suicide Squad and Justice League are it's just it's plain as day that like they made all their decisions based on fear, and uh, like Lovely. after. Like they had made commitments and then they just sort of like backed out on them and it just shows. And Suicide Squad, like the original Suicide Squad feels like a foreign movie that's been like re edited by America. It's, it's like a Godzilla movie yeah. that's been re edited for like American audiences. It's like watching two different movies on top of each other. It's yeah. so bizarre. Yeah. Um, so, not a fan. Yeah. I, I'm. 
one of the few people I genuinely, unironically think Suicide Squad is one of the funniest movies I've ever seen. Mm-hmm. I genuinely enjoy like the first two thirds because it it's so bad that it's funny to me. Um, the, the the last third is just like bad, bad, just like boring, bad. Oof, yeah. Um, but was happy to hear again a competent director with a vision coming in to take over James Gunn, I think it looks awesome. It looks like, what, the Dirty Dozen? It, it, it looks like an 80s yeah, action film. Yeah, it looks like like Rambo or Commando or something. Oh, yeah. You're in my wheelhouse right there. You're talking to 14-year-old Bill right there. Uh, <laughs> just like, how many guns can we fit in this movie? Yes, I want to see it. Um, <laughs> but, yeah, I, I thought, like, the cast looked great. John Cena as an asshole version of uh, Captain America looks awesome. And yeah. uh, what character are you guys like, um, like rando character? Because there's a lot of random characters in this one. Are you yeah. like stoked? Was that? I'm not familiar with most of the characters. But, but you said, you say that uh, was it John Cena or someone? You're like they look exactly. Oh, like- John Cena's character looks exactly like the character from the comics. Like exactly. It's it's spooky. Yeah, <laughs> you 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 did pull it up side by side, and he looks exactly like it. Yeah. Um, the character that I like. Oh, who is who is um Peter Capaldi playing? Uh, I think he's a thinker. Yes, he. Lo- I don't know anything about him, but he seems interesting. It's his design seems cool. Like I'm just I'm into it. I'm I'm all yeah, I, Peter Capaldi to me was a very underrated doctor on Doctor Who. Uh, he mm-hmm. was coming. He had a very uh, hard role to, uh, to to shoulder because Matt Smith was the boyfriend doctor, as everyone calls him. He was like yeah. on the cover of VW, and then we get this cranky Scotsman, you know, doctor. Yeah. And but uh, that last season of he's in when he has the the sidekick Bill. If you've never seen Doctor Who, that is a great way to get into it because it's such a good it's such a good season. Um, yeah, but he, I love Peter Capaldi. I think he, he's great. If you've never seen in the loop, another one where it's basically a political satire that James Gandolfini is in it. Uh, um, Anna Schlumsky's in it. It is one of the most foul mouth movies I've ever seen in my life and yet feels completely realistic. And it is hilarious, uh, about, you know, it's back about British and U S political relations. Fantastic. It's like a 90 minute movie. Uh, uh, same creative team who did Veep, so or involved with Veep. So I I love Veep, and you love James Gandolfini. Yeah, I do. Rutgers University alum, just like me, baby. Um, wow. Yeah, hey, you know, sometimes we do things right. Um, so that's our thoughts on Fandom. Uh, now switching gears to a more serious note. Usually, the big segment we do every week is seriously what the fuck. Uh, but I felt that. That would be actually kind of disrespectful for what we're going to talk about right now. So this is just going to be an open segment. Um, I believe it's Friday, late Friday, um, this sh- rather shocking news that uh, Chadwick Boseman, star of Black Panther, uh, passed away uh, from cancer. Not something any of us knew about. It was a fight he kept to himself. Um, he kept very private. And um, it, it, it obviously affected a lot of people. And a lot of people, you saw a huge just outpouring of just positivity about him as an actor and his impact on the world. Uh, just want to get your guys' thoughts on this because this was such a shocking moment that 
no one, none of us saw coming. None of us were expecting. Um, so, Kat, well, a lot of we knew to expect it. Yeah. Was that? It, apparently, people he knew didn't expect it. it. Seems to even even though I guess he's had it for four years, he really seemed to keep it close to the vest. Uh, Ryan Coogler says, up until now, he had been proceeding with Black Panther two as if Chadwick was going to be in it, and that to me just tells me he had no indication that he might not be, which yeah. seems kind of crazy to me. My but, only my only thing was when we I think when he was at the Oscars or was an award show and I saw him and he looked very thin. And that's when yeah, a lot of people yeah. decided I'm just gonna be a dick and make fun of him. I looked at him and I said, either he's preparing for a role, but man, he doesn't look right. I hope there's nothing wrong here because he had gotten very, very skinny. So yeah. we have seen someone like Christian Bale, we saw him in the machinist got super, mm-hmm. super skinny. Uh, and I was just like I, you know, to me in the back of my head, I, you know, that I don't know if it's the Irish in me or just been around a lot of sickness in my life. But I was like, man, I really just hope there's nothing wrong here. And yeah. obviously there was. So we look at this, uh, just your guys' thoughts on, on Chadwick Boseman, his career, and what he meant to a lot of people. So, Kat, start with you. I know it's a very open ended question. Yeah, no, no. Um, It was extremely shocking and very, very upsetting. And I, I am, I'm not someone like I I will definitely be obviously upset when celebrities die, but I've never been somebody to really cry over it. But I was, I was like very emotional and it, it just made me very sad. Not only thinking about like what he really represented to like the black community, but to like young kids and as if shit couldn't be any darker right now. Um, it was, it was really, really sad. And I was also thinking about like, why do I feel so affected by this? And another celebrity death that very much affected me and ended up influencing me to make major decisions in my life was the death of David Bowie. And I realized that both of them actually had something very similar in common, which is they both knew that they were sick. Um, Very few people around them knew that they were sick, and they both decided to put their sickness into their art and continue with what they were doing. And that was so moving and inspiring to me. You know, Bowie, for people who don't know when he died, literally weeks later or maybe a few days later, he released Black Star. I think it was like the day after or maybe the day before. Right. It was something. It was very close. Yeah, it was. It was very close because he had already released a single, I think. And um, that lead single was called Lazarus. Obviously, Mm -hmm. in the the music video, he dies and comes back to life. The, The entire record is about him knowing he's going to die but how he lives on in his art. And I mean, Chadwick Boseman knew he was sick for four years and he still made these movies. He still did all this stuff. He still went on these like grueling fucking press tours. Also like he had to get in shape for those roles. Yes. Yes. He had to. Like those are like very serious regimented diets and workout routines they have to do yeah i i literally just today i saw 
a, um, a journalist shared a bit of an interview that he uh, had with Chadwick Boseman several years ago. It was, he did, um, uh, he played Black Panther in one movie. I don't know if that was maybe Infinity War. It might have been the first Black Panther. And then he made the movie Marshall, where he plays a third good Marshall. And then he did another Black Panther related role. So he had to bulk up, slim down, and bulk up again. And the journalist was like, God, that, that must have been really grueling for you. And it says, Chadwick replied, you have no idea. I will tell the full story one day, but it's so much worse than you think. Yeah. I, I, according to Wikipedia, by the way, for the Bowie record, um, two days after its release, Bowie died of liver cancer. The release was uh, coincided with his birthday, his 69th birthday. Right. Yeah. Right. But it, what's crazy is that you think about him having very aggressive cancer and yet was able to do so many films. Yes. All of which were regard like his performances, even something like 21 Bridges, which like you saw that trailer, like, really? This kind of looks like garbage. And yeah. like it just looked like you, you run out of the middle action film. And then all of a sudden it was like, no, he's the reason this film works. And right. that was the thing. Like every movie he was in, the James Brown, I remember the James Brown biopic. Like yeah. it was like that movie's okay, but he's great, you know. And mm-hmm. that was the thing. Like he was delivering his best works while dying, basically. Yeah. And that's inspiring as hell uh, to me because it's just like if he can do that, what can anyone do? You know, against Doug's odds. Um, yeah, and 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 also. Something that I, I, I want us to iterate, that doesn't mean that if you are sick or disabled, like, why aren't you doing anything? Exactly. Like yeah. And it's yeah. like, shut the fuck up. That's not helpful at all. Yeah. Um, yeah. yeah. It's, it's something, something else that I really wanted to add is that Chadwick Boseman immediately elevated, like, everything that he was in. A really good example, you mentioned um, the James Brown movie, uh, Get On Up, Mm -hmm. and also he was in uh, the Jackie Robinson biopic, 42. To me, those are, like, very similar movies in that they are telling, like, an inherently black story, but unfortunately were directed by, like, well-meaning white people um, instead of black people. And so the movies end up being, like, just okay, in my opinion. Sure. But... Chadwick Boseman's performance in both of those is completely staggering. I was just watching clips earlier today of what he did for James Brown. Like, by the way, Chadwick Boseman obviously doesn't physically look a lot like James Brown or Jackie Robinson. And he like transformed himself. I was reading for, for James Brown. He uh, was in the prosthetics chair for three hours just getting his like facial structure like every day on set to, to get that um, all set up. He did all of his own dancing. He it was a mix of he did some of his own vocals and then they mixed it with um, James Brown's like live vocals to right. to try and do that kind of thing. Um, and but he just like nailed like his like raspy voice and, and everything and. It's so good. There's there's one scene that I want to call attention to. I, I saw it on YouTube um, where the whole scene is uh, James Brown is opening for the Rolling Stones, but they're a band nobody has heard of. And uh, James Brown is like, the Rolling Stones, They're not. no one's going to know who they are in a year. Fine, whatever. 
and it's their first show in America, and Chadwick Boseman sings this whole song, amazing, like, it, it sounds, it looks exactly like James Brown, you forget that it's not him, and then he walks off stage and walks by, you know, young Mick Jagger and says, welcome to America, and it's just like, holy shit. That is so cool. And then I later read that Mick Jagger produced the movie, so obviously he had to put himself in it. Um, but, yeah, very, very um, really good movie or really good performance. And same with Jackie Robinson. Just, like, as I, I am uh, born and raised a Dodger fan in L.A., and uh, celebrating Jackie Robinson Day is, like, something that we do every year. Sure, it's something sure. ingrained. I'm pretty sure I have a Jackie Robinson, like, bobblehead thing. Um, he, Chadwick Boseman, fucking nails his swing, his run, his throw, like, everything. It's, like, it's shit that you take for granted, but, ugh, it's so good. Just, I, I would recommend people watch those films just to see him in it, if, if you haven't already. I know Al was a... I mean, it hit him hard. I know he's not here right now, but he's it, it hit him hard because I told him and he was just floored by it. Um, and he was watching clips all the next day just of Chadwick Boseman. He was just like uh, from Black Panther and different movies. He's like, just because it's just like, it's rare, I feel like, that we see someone who's, and I, it's a weird word I'm going to use when I say it. it's like this like gentlemanly type yeah. actor. Like he, there's this class to his persona to his yeah. to his being like he just exuded like almost just like the modern day Sidney Poitier like very just like he's the actor's actor and it didn't matter the movie he's in he's Chadwick Boseman and he's going to deliver yeah. and we see how much he meant to people just the sheer numbers that Black Panther did and the sheer numbers of time people went back to Black Panther and you're yeah. seeing just on social media people are saying I have to explain to my child that the guy who played Black Panther passed away. Like, he meant, and that character meant so much. And that's a character who, you know, is big in the Marvel Universe, but he's not, like, you know, on the same tier, or was, yeah. in my opinion, wasn't on the same tier as your Spider-Mans, Hulks, Thors, Captain Americas. Yeah. But yeah. I felt like after Black Panther, definitely he put him, he, he put, you know, him and Ryan Coogler, they put him on top tier after that movie and people like you immediately saw articles about, well, what's going to happen with black Panther two? Fuck you is the answer to that. Yeah. Just like, yeah. stop it. Click like who gives a shit clicks. about money or your clicks about that? And you know what sites you are, who fucking wrote that. It's just yeah. like, he meant a lot to people. And I think he had an amazing career ahead of him, but what his legacy that he left behind was amazing and inspirational. And it wasn't just, Oh, here's a guy who put in good performances. Remember he, uh, the guy who say who uh, stopped the shooter at the Waffle House, he brought him on stage, gave him his MTV Movie yeah. Award. As a guy who's a guy who you know was talking about answering letters and and stuff from kids who were dying of cancer. Well, he was. I yeah. mean, this was just a guy who we could, you know. There's often this bullshit line a lot of people want to put out there of just like our actors and athletes, they're not role models for any, but that's a guy you, you model yourself after. That's to get, that was a classy, great human who did a lot of good for people, in my opinion. Yeah, I, I agree. I, 
um, shit a lot. Like I feel on. like I'm very I'm almost in tears right now talking about it. And it's not just the tell them or do. It's it's like legit. Like I don't think we've felt like this for an actor in a long time. Where we're just all like, we didn't, none of us knew this guy, but like, we, you, the respect is just there. And also just like an actor who was so kind of just in the middle of doing a lot of things. He was so yeah. ever present in pop culture. The last person I could think of that is even remotely like this is Paul Walker. And then before that, like Keith Ledger, like it's just one of those river like, Phoenix before that. Yeah. 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 It's, it, it, it's so tough for so many reasons. I mean, I'm sure um, if my parents were here, they would say something like, this is similar to, you know, when Christopher Reeve had his accident, like a literal superhero who just like you realize like, oh, fucking life is still happening for these people. And I, I, I have historically shit on a lot of celebrities and celebrity culture and how we're so obsessed with it and, and everything. And I do think sure. it's a problem. But in this case, the reason why. Chadwick Boseman was not just a celebrity. He was also an activist, a good person. He did a lot of things for the community. And also he was an artist first before he was a celebrity. Like this man dies and literally everyone's like, wait, like I realize I don't know anything about his life or I don't know anything about his family because he just kept everything so personal. He just put the art out there and let it speak for itself. Yeah. He was also yeah. so particular about who he played. Like, he really just played, like, very iconic people. Yes. Like, he wasn't, like, you know, showing up in, like, just random movies. Like, he played important roles of important people yeah. in pop culture and history and sports and music, you know. Yeah, he wasn't going to, like, pop up in, like, a Michael Bay movie. No. no. I Okay, I will say this, though. <laughs> if he did, he would have made it better. Honestly, you are not wrong. Yeah, he would have made it better. He would have been great. Uh, but I think that's the thing. He was never a celebrity. Like we, we, you know, he was the lead actor in big movies, but he didn't put himself in those celebrity circles. Whether it be a Kardashian, a Will Smith, or whomever, you know, where it's just like, oh, he's constantly in the spotlight. No. What was that? Was it in the tabloids? Wasn't like. That's yeah, the other were... thing. I was just like, I was waiting. And I don't because it, 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 2020 blows. So I'm just waiting for like, here's the negative shit on Chad McBoseman. And it's just, everyone's just like, it's Josh Gad saying, here's the text message he sent me. I can't stop crying. And it's just like, Ryan Coogler's like, wrote this beautiful like tribute to him. And it's just like, everyone's just like, wow, we just fucking love this guy. Like Chris Evans is like, I won't stop crying for a month. It's just like, that's the thing. Like, there's no one saying a bad thing about this guy because he just seems like, uh, like not like you don't see these people in Hollywood that often it's, where everyone's just like, this was the guy. Yeah. Yeah. He just did his work and just kept his life private. Like, you know, they weren't taking pictures of him like dating like a 20 year old or anything like that. Yeah. Like pretty much every other celebrity. And, yeah. Ugh. Yeah. But dating, you know, it sounds terrible. <laughs> At least he has, like, we still have his films. Black Panther will always mean something. Yeah. It will always be meaningful. Uh, I I am, 
I'm very surprised that it seems like the people at Marvel didn't know. I don't know how he could keep I, that secret. I feel like they must have known at Marvel, but like I guess Ryan Coogler did it, which is so fucking crazy to me. Yeah, I, I, I mean, there I mean, had there had to be some people who knew, but like he seems like the type of guy who's just like, just don't tell anyone. You know, there was plenty of we've all had that person in our lives who just like we respect enough when they're like, just just don't say anything. And you don't say anything, you know, and yeah, yeah and it, and it, what's the point of saying? Well, I knew, you know, it's just it's not even worth it. Um, no. But yeah, Chadwick Boseman. I mean, they just did a. They just go find his movies. Like I know you can watch, obviously watch any of the Marvel movies he's on on Disney Plus. Um, Net. Uh, he's in the Five Bloods, the latest Spike Lee oh, film that's, that's on Netflix. Yeah, we want. We really want to see uh, *Defy Bloods*. It was like on our list for so long. I, I heard it's, Marissa gave it a, a glowing review. Said it was amazing. Yeah. Right. Uh, right. And then he's got another Netflix film, which I have forgotten the name of, that is going to be coming out this fall. I think that's his final film. Yeah. I don't yeah. uh, remember the name Black, of that. Black Bottom or something. Yeah. I, I can't remember. Something. Something. It's pro- produced by Denzel Washington, who apparently was secretly a benefactor for him, him to study theater. In, the, in, in England, yeah. Yeah. It's just like, what? Like, you're, that's yeah. actually, like, been kind of the, the silver lining blessing in all of this, is that you realize um, all of the people who were, like, working together and working with him and, like, all of the good work that he had done and, People who believed him. You you mentioned uh, Sydney Poitier. Sydney Poitier just released a statement today saying how amazing it was. Even a uh, grumpy old Harrison Ford came out of his cave to <laughs> think about him. I was like, well, that's that's nice. Yeah, because he got... was uh, what was he? Was he Branch Ricky in the film? Uh, yeah, he was. He was the the Brooklyn Dodgers owner. Owner, yeah. Um, Harrison Ford, who famously came to my my college when I was graduating, because Calista Flockhart, obviously his wife or longtime yeah. girlfriend, yeah. went to yeah. went to Rutgers, and every the headline obviously was "Get off my campus," uh, <laughs> which my friend John put together. It was great. Um, so Chadwick Boseman, um, they don't they don't make too many like Chadwick Boseman, and he will be sorely missed. So that was our yeah. our opening segment with no. We're not going to put any sort of bumper on that or anything like that out of respect to a very classy and very, very awesome individual. But we will get into our next segment, which is a slice of fried gold. How's that for a slice of fried gold? Yeah, boy! That is going to be something we've talked about. We talked about a few episodes. Uh, the episode titled The Corn Sweats, because that's a real thing where corn gets so hot and humid it starts to sweat and it emits extra heat or something like that. House cousin Christian Bischoff, who lives in Iowa, told us this. It's the wildest thing in history. We were talking about uh, Mulan was going to be released, and it's going to be in a few days, on Disney Plus for 30 bucks. And we're talking about what our price points for a film that we would want to see is. The long-standing ramifications of if Mulan's a hit for $30, how does this change everything? Well... Disney just announced, hey, fam, guess what? It's going to be free in December. Um, Kat, this is an odd flex, as they would say. Uh, <laughs> an interesting business strategy. What's your take on what's your take on all this? Because like, first off, like Mulan for 30 bucks. what's your thoughts? And then Disney uh, being like, hey, it's going to be free Monday, kids. Don't worry. 
Right, right. I actually, I have a clarifying question because sure. I've heard back and forth. So when they initially said it was going to be for $30, would that be $30 to purchase the film and watch it or just to watch it for like 48 hours and then it would go away? No, I believe it was you could watch it whenever. It was it, this was yours. You had to have a subscription in Disney Plus, but with the thirty bucks, you can watch it whenever. It wasn't like um, a pay per view type deal. Okay, okay, okay. Because I, I remember when the news was first announced, I was like, "We're already paying Disney Plus, and then we have to pay an additional thirty bucks just to see it, and we don't even own it." Like, absolutely, fuck that. That's yeah, ridiculous. that's a, that's something they borrowed from ESPN Plus, where they would do with a lot of fights. Say, like, for instance, the Deontay Wilder Tyson Fury fight. Uh, you paid X amount for uh, ESPN Plus, then you paid $60 for the fight. Now, most of that was people plugged a fire stick into their TVs, had a bunch of people over, a lot of bars showed it, that's where I saw it. Hey, listen, mm-hmm. nothing like going to an Irish pub and watching a boxing match. What can I tell you? And um, that made a little more sense. But a movie for 30 bucks, you know, a little different story. Yeah, yeah. I think it's it's a very interesting strategy, and to me it kind of, it doesn't come across desperate, but to me, it, it comes across that they don't necessarily have faith in the movie. I could totally be wrong. I'd love to hear your guys' thoughts, but I, mean, I think they have faith in a normal setting, right? But not in the, the current pandemic no. situation. Yeah. Um, yeah. You know, yeah. I, I thought the the trailers looked really good. I would love to be able to support a movie that you know um, doesn't heavily feature white people. I know there's been a lot of controversy around the main actress who plays Mulan has been like very supportive of like a lot of um, uh, fascist things going on in China and said things against protesters. There's just like a lot. It's a very complex situation. Hmm. Um, I did not know any of that. That's awesome. Yeah. Yeah. It's so is Jackie Chan. That's very interesting. I think that I think that's CTE, though. To be honest with you, CTE. What? Well, I think Jackie Chan. Jackie Chan has taken has a lot of concussions, so I don't know if he's really. Oh, I see. Mentally, maybe I'm making excuses for Jackie Chan. I mean, I think they're only saying. I think both of them are only saying it just because they're they they are like. There's something going on right now where like Hollywood and China are like really trying to start to intertwined because Hollywood knows that China is the biggest film market in the world. Right, right. So there's all these like Chinese actors coming over here and like being in an American movies and mm-hmm. they're also sending like Matt Damon to be in like the Great Wall or whatever. Yeah. yeah I think they're weird. trying to keep things copacetic, but you know, that obviously if like these actors are coming from China and they're like representing China, I guess they probably don't want to speak out against the government. It's yeah, I'm not saying it's good, but it's, uh, yeah. that's probably why. Though you're 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 right. I don't I don't want to misspeak because I don't know the precise details. All I remember is that a lot of people are upset because they're like, instead of uh, being pro the government, why don't you just not say anything at all? Mm. Um, and I know that that was a problem. But regardless of all that, um, I don't know. I if uh, Mulan is free on Disney Plus, absolutely we'll watch it. I don't see any problem. I haven't been really a big fan of any of the live-action remakes. Um, Pete's Dragon was good. Ooh, that's a tough one for me, man. I grew up on OG Pete's Dragon, and I mean, listen, I love me some Robert Redford. Love me. 
my mom's number one heartthrob when she was growing up. Loved Robert Redford. Supposedly went to the country club that my grandfather worked at. Said, yeah, he's super short. My mom's like, I'm super short. Just let me go see him. Uh, did, did you see him? I didn't because I just had a hard time being like, man, I had such a such a soft I mean, spot for the original one. I'm like, I don't know if I could watch it. Also, I mean, child. It's, so. it's it's It has like nothing to do with the original. It, it's... I wouldn't even call it a remake. It's like a completely different movie oh, okay. that has like a title. Um, it, it's kind of like a live action Iron Giant, and it's it's actually a really nice movie. Oh, okay. Um, I mean, I liked what I saw of the Iron Giant, and uh, okay, I'll give that a shot. That's on Disney Plus, I think. I think I don't know. The original one was a Disney film. So. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All right, I'll give it a um, shot. Mickey Rooney. I remember he was in that one. I think. TBT. Um, Carl yeah. Urban's in it. Oh, oh, come on! Who doesn't love? Uh, is it Airmere? <laughs> <laughs> the Riders of Rodan, one of the boys. Which yeah. Dread. Yeah, I've heard Dread. Dread's pretty damn good. Oh yeah. Oh yeah, classic. I Not mean, I saw the original classic. Judge Dread in theaters in 1995 with my mom because I was young. <laughs> mom. I dragged Doris to. I, it's the worst thing I ever dragged my mom to see. Legit was Saving Private Ryan. Oh, no. I didn't know what it was going to be, guys. She, oh, no. I During the opening Normandy scene, I turned to this woman in her 50s, weeping, weeping. No. And I'm like, Bob, we could leave. I'm like, we could leave at any time. And she's like, it's fine. It's fine. I'm like, oh, oh I made a bad decision as a son. I still, oh, my. I, I still remember that. The song theaters of my mom was The Wrestler. Oh, one of my favorite movies of all time. Yeah, but you know, not, a, not a good mom movie. No, yeah, it's a terrible. It's like topless and yeah, yeah, that's tough. There's some anal in a bathroom. Oh God, I repressed so much of that movie. I just, oh, I really yeah, remember is, this yeah. pulling against the the skin, and I was like, Jesus. He walks up on his boss, his boss is looking at porn, and he's like, Get the fuck out. Ew. <laughs> oh, I don't that, like it. That Some people have talked. The wrestler was literally a movie written and made for me. It's in New Jersey. It's about wrestling. The entire soundtrack is '80s metal. I'm just like, and it takes part of it takes place in Asbury Park. And I'm like, yeah, factually correct. This this movie was literally written for me. And Bruce Springsteen <laughs> at the end with the music, going off the top yeah. rope. I cried. But uh, <laughs> robbed of an Oscar, robbed of a Best Actor Oscar. Sorry, That's Sean Penn. True. Yeah, that's true. We hate Sean Penn. Yeah, um, as you. <laughs> uh, but uh, live action Disney remakes have not really been impressed. Even like, I I guess I was the one asshole that was like kind of looking forward to Aladdin because I like Guy Ritchie. I was Same. like, oh cool, like it'll be like gritty, like Aladdin, and he'll be like jumping through things, and like maybe it'll be like speed up and slow down. No, no, I didn't it was, watch it yet. Ugh, I would have hated that honestly. I would have liked it more than just remaking, you know, shot for shot the original. I mean, it was See, just... He did that King Arthur. If you watch King Arthur, like, the first part of King Arthur, like, that one he did with Charlie Colum, was, yes, like, yes. it was, like, totally, like, snatched. It's like, oh, we're going to do all these, you know, you know, trick camera stuff, and everyone's like, King Arthur's a little bit of a con man. And then we get with Jude Law, and all of a sudden, demons and monsters and special effects, and you're like, all right, you lost me, guys. Um, but I did not watch all of Aladdin. My 11 year old niece was like, oh, you should watch it. It's good. I'm like, you also like my chemical romance. So I don't know if I trust your opinion. Uh, (laughs) but, um, I, to me, it's a weird move here 
to be like, okay, I want you to pay $30, then announcing, oh, yeah, it's going to be free in six months. Well, not six months. Um, in three months, it's going to be free. I, I don't know if that – do you guys think that undercuts the what could be the potential revenue for Disney? Or Disney's just trying to save their ass right here. I mean, the way I see it is it's no different than if you went and saw it in theaters and then it was on Disney Plus like a few months later anyways. Like it probably would be three months later. Like, I think really? I, you think so? I mean, it, it might be like a little longer, like it, maybe I five think, months. Yeah, I think it would be five to six months just because I, – I think because – well, everything I messed up because, I mean, Disney Plus debuted in November was I think they have to have certain – times for it to be on VOD first, then it goes to Disney Plus, unless there's some sort of specific contracting, because that's what they were doing for a lot of the early films. Um, right, right. I mean, I, I could totally be wrong, but I would imagine they'd want to keep it in theaters as long as they can. It has its theatrical run. Then it's on video on demand on other places, Prime, whatever. And maybe they would put out a DVD, a Blu-ray or something, and then they would put it on Disney Plus. That would make sense to me in terms of, like, getting the most amount of money you can on the back end. The fact that they're just kind of saying, like, you could see it in three months. Like, maybe they're hoping that will inspire more people to subscribe to Disney+. Plus. But I, I cannot think of a type of person who's like, you know what? I was not uh, subscribed to Disney+, Plus, but now that Mulan is on there, this is what's going to get me to go. I mean, Hamilton and... Beyonce with big drivers. Like I think yeah. Hamilton, I think was I think you guys are on the podcast, maybe not. It was like seventy it had like a seventy two percent increase for Hamilton. Uh-huh. And then yeah. Beyonce had another like insane number like to get people to subscribe. Like now and those were both free. Mm-hmm. And now you're saying, Hey guys, pay thirty bucks, but oh you can get it you can get it in three months. I feel like this'll do great. Like Tenet made a buttload of money over in Europe. Right. I feel like this would do great. I just think Disney's kind of hedging its bets here. Um, yeah. You know, and just, you know, be like, all right, whatever. And then we'll see New Mutants eventually one day. So, which I think will go to H- well, I think it's going to HBO Max before it goes anywhere else for some reason. So, yeah, that's a film. Oh, it is. It's a film we've <laughs> talked about so many times. And after you hear the creator of. New Mutants saying, like, yep, they fucked this one up. I have even less, um, less interest to see this movie. Was that? They misspelled his name, the creator's name in the movie. Oh, yeah, yeah. did did you see that? That Oh, yeah. I felt so bad. I mean, I look at this guy's name, and I'm like, as someone who gets his name misspelled often, and there's six letters in my name, uh, it's not that hard to spell that guy's name. I don't get why they did that, but, you know. Also, they had, like, this movie's been delayed for two years, and at no point during that time they, like, made sure to spell it right. Oh, God. I feel like, no, I feel like they edited once and were like, we're never looking at this again. Just, just yeah. one day it'll come out, and I uh, want to put this behind also, me. just an aside, not that I want to turn this entire thing to shitting on New Mutants, but... I don't care. You, Al's not here. Have you seen what, what the director has said about this? It, literally, they, someone asked him, like, you know, despite everything happening with COVID, like, like, how do you feel about your movie coming out in theaters? And he's like, well, it was made to be seen in theaters and people should be seeing it in theaters. I'm like, what? You're, you're not- encouraging something that's very awful, sir. 
and you're really going to put this in print right now. And yeah. then she just like doubled down on low key just seemed really douchey. I was like, everything about this is gross. Yeah, I'm definitely going to go out of my way to see a- another superhero movie in theaters during a pandemic. Mm. It's not like I don't have 50 at home to watch right now. Yeah, you mutants, guys. Just, just the, just the, basically, I think if we're going to summate 2020 in a movie, if it's anything's going to embody it, it's new mutants. You're right. Uh, yeah. So let's move on to our next segment here. We're going to talk about uh, music in a time of quarantine. So, Kat, you are a music editor. What mm-hmm. is something people should be listening to right now? Hmm. That's that's a really good question. I am, uh, despite mus- being a music editor... I am, there are some people that are like, you know what? Like everything's just crazy right now. I need new music. I'm like hungry for it. I'm looking around when I am up against the wall or going through a tough time. I crawl back to what comforts me. I'm not interested in new things, which is so awful, but I'm sorry. I have been listening to Lord's melodrama from 2017 for weeks and still, probably one of the best records of the last decade and i'm just constantly overwhelmed by lord's brilliance she is so young and does so much with every single note every single lyric everything she only has two records and they're both brilliant in different ways fun fact about lord's first record she purposefully produced and created and wrote everything on that record in a way that it can be replicated and created from someone's bedroom. Everything produced was like on a synthesizer, a thing you could just go bloop, 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 recreate that whole record because she believes that music should be uh, approached from anything to, to quote her. She's like, um, I think music is communism. Everyone should be able to contribute to it and make it. She's fucking cool. We stand so hard um melodrama for people who haven't uh checked it out came out a few years ago it's still so good she uh wrote it and designed it so that uh you could put on the record at the beginning of a party and it will end as the party ends um so there's highs and lows and downs and everything it's so good um my favorite song is called uh supercut it's incredible and over to the, the, the uh, hair salon chain? Yes. Obvious, it, yes obviously. It is an ode to Supercuts. That's exactly right. Um, and would also recommend the song The Louvre and Writer in the Dark. Those are incredible songs. That's what I've been listening to in the time of quarantine. Which cra- um, what's crazy is like, she's done, it's, that's three years ago when uh, uh-huh. Melodrama came out, but yet haven't heard much from her in the last few years oh no she she disappears in between record cycles she takes her time when she makes them she tours and then when they're over she goes away back to new zealand hangs out with the hobbits makes beautiful art and then comes back and is like surprise i just made this like piece of art and you're like okay cool you're like 22 and i haven't done anything with my life yeah, that's right, because Pure Heroin came out in 2013, so it was a four-year period between. So she's got another year before she's got another thing. 
I remember yeah. Yell Flicker Beat, the huge thing I was working in Asbury Park at the time, and she recorded that at uh, the Lake House Studio, about nice. half a block from where I was working for a political, uh, conservative political polling firm. So every day of my life was a living nightmare. Um, so terrible. Everyone was a leftist liberal in that organization. We just needed a paycheck. So these are things that happen, guys. But yeah, she supposedly was just walking around the boardwalk, recorded that song in that studio, which is like a crazy high-end studio. Uh, Check out uh, Lake House, Asbury Park, New Jersey, if you're looking for places to record or even learn how to play an instrument. And um, yeah, she was just hanging out, recorded that, put it on the Hunger Games soundtrack. And Mm -hmm. yeah, so Lord, hey, man. We could use you anytime. It'd be great for you to drop some new stuff. Oh uh, my God, please, please. Cool. Uh, what's some stuff that you're listening to most likely probably finding on YouTube? Because I feel like... Oh, yeah. Um, <laughs> well, Kat showed me this music video from a long time ago that I've never seen. It's called November uh, Rain. It's by this band called Guns N' Roses. It was great. <laughs> no, uh, it's uh, Hopeless Wanderer by Mumford & Sons, which is the, a band I've never listened to. They nothing about them really appeals to me but she showed me this video because it stars Lil Forte and Jason Sudeikis and uh, Jason, Jason Bateman, Bateman and, and Ed Helms Ed have you Helms. never seen this? no oh, oh my god I have, yeah. sto- I have stories about Mumford and Sons but I mean yeah. like yeah but no I've never it, heard of the it's song amazing. It's, it's amazing I, I have uh, many times historically shit on Mumford and Sons for sure. various reasons um, they're, I'm sure they're really nice guys, but they're just like total mm. hacks. Like whatever. whatever. I, have you seen them live? <sighs> At a festival. I heard them. There was a lot of aggressive banjo. People were crying. I'm not going to judge them, but it is not my cup of tea. So in when I just, in 2012, when they were blowing up. We, yes, they we were. I don't know how the hell we swung this, but we got a photo pass to shoot them in Hoboken, New Jersey. The only time there's been a concert in Hoboken, like on this pier. Yeah. Guy who was going to shoot it, it's like, I can't do it. So it's like, okay, send Greybeard me to go do it at the last second. I drive up to Hoboken, and I get up there, and I am not a good photographer. I, I, backed, I stumbled into some good shots, but... I have to say, I'm going to interrupt. That's not true. Bill, you are a good photographer. I've seen your work. I I mean, my Instagram is mostly just because I have an adorable daughter. Um, It's, but I legit turned around at one point and there were 20,000 people behind me screaming like it was the Beatles at Shea. I mean, people were going bananas and like, and say that in a Liam Neeson voice, like bananas. It's just like, (laughs) It was crazy. And I have to say, like, I like them early stuff. I don't like the new stuff. But, like, they yeah. knew they know how to put on a show. They know how to put the, the crowd. Just like, here's the palm. Yeah. Marcus is like, here's the palm in my hand. I'm going to put all of you right in it right now. That is so true. Absolutely. The funny story about them is, uh, so they were doing a Gentleman on the Road stopover in Seaside Heights, New Jersey. We're famously known for the show Jersey Shore was my beat for my first job forever. It was where I had my wedding reception, uh, where I had my seven-hour open bar with shots included, made for an epic, legendary wedding. Um, and, uh, hey, man, if you're going to throw it in, might as well abuse it. Uh, so they had this whole thing at this restaurant called Spicy. It's a, it's a Mexican restaurant. And they're like, we're going to do this whole press day. So it's 
pouring sheets of rain. I get there. Al's driving down from North Jersey for a, from a job. He gets down there two minutes after the press event where the, Marcus Mumford's like, my throat sucks. I can't be here right now. See you guys. Bye. And I'm just like, what? Al walked in the door as they walked out the door. The people who organized the event were like, wasn't this a great event? And I looked at them. And these are people from a, I will rena- I will keep nameless major concert promoter, not yes. Live Nation. Uh, yes. You can deduct where they're from. And I yes. was, they're like, wasn't this great? I said, no, it fucking wasn't. <laughs> and they were like, all like, jaw hit the floor. I'm like, I just stood around in a bar. I've worked at for 10 fucking years. And these guys are just like, I have a soft work goodbye. And I couldn't oh. talk to anyone. I said, this sucks. And yes. didn't win myself any favors that day by saying that. Uh, but um, they did do a good show. I have to say, they, they had a good show at Gentleman Road. It was a cool show. But yeah, they've taken a nosedive. But I definitely want to see this music video. What's what's the name of the, the uh, song again? Yeah, you, you explain. Hopeless, Hopeless Wonder. It, it's it's it, apparently just like a music video that's like any of their other ones, except it's those four actors playing them. So yeah. like it's like a spoof of them. This this music video came out several years ago. It's I used to just aggressively. Th- there was this really brief time mm-hmm. in like pop music where everything became like dust bowl chic and i kind of loved it oh my god mumford and sons and the head and the heart the the lumineers yep the the ho people and there was another band and they all just were doing the exact same thing the stomp clap hey oh Hey, oh. and and then like the the acoustic guitar and then the aggressive banjo it was all the same shit and it was just mind-numbing to me but upon the release of this music video i was like oh mumford and sons have a sense of humor about themselves they and do. it made me like them more they uh there i remember there was a bonnaroo announcement and i want to say it was tarim killen played yes. paul Heyman, and which is also a wrestling thing but so yes. he was he was the Hey in the Hey Ho for all the banjo bands. Oh, God. And Hannibal Burris had to like let him in, and he was like announcing uh, Bonnaroo one year because he's like, Hey, you know, you've heard me before. I'm the guy who goes, Hey, in every song that's on the radio right now. I'm just like, It's truly a humorous observation. Fun. That was the other band. Oh, don't get me started on a band. I forgot about the 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 carry me home. There was a time when that I I need to take an insulin shot after I hear that fucking guy sing. It's so saccharine. Yeah, carry me home, hey ho, and whatever that that Mumford and Sons. There was a time where that was all playing on the on the radio, and everyone is. Like looking like they just crawled out of the dust bowl, even though they're all like trust fund babies. All and just Stetsons, like, all in vests. Yeah. The only thing I liked from that was vests because it hides kind of my wideness. <laughs> uh, but yeah, man, I it was, and that was yeah. They were, ah, uh, yeah, fun. I don't know if I fun was too banjoy, but God, do I hate that band. Nate Roos's voice is the most yeah. like. Yeah. I just want to throw a grenade at him. And I remember he tried doing a solo thing and that yep, kind of yep. bombed. And I was like, don't he was in another band before fun. He was another band before fun. Do you remember which one it was, Bill? I can't remember. Nate or I know, um, what's his nuts? Um, 
you know, uh, bleachers. I know he was in Steel Train before that. Yes, 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 yes. Nate Russo. Um, anyway. Yeah, he anyway, was, he was in a band I'll probably never listen. Oh, he's in the format. Yes, I was going to say The Faint, and I was like, that's all right. He was in the format. No, I said The Faint. Didn't they play at that goth festival that I sent you to? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. The format the wasn't bad. The format actually wasn't bad. No. Yeah. No. It, it just fun was a, just a suck. forgot about fun. Dude, Any you're better for it. Uh, like, typographic uh, stylization where it's, like, it's purposely... Um, not capitalized, or there's punctuation in it. Like, I'm sorry, I, I can't. I, I can't. Do, I do not blame you. One iota for that because that is they are they were hot garbage. Uh, the group, the song I'm going to recommend is hold on. I just totally lost it because I closed my Spotify. Is the um, I was going to go with another Budos band uh, single, but then I listened to the. Fight the Power Remix 2020 featuring, obviously, Public Enemy, Nas, Rhapsody, Black Thought, Front... Oh, as I'm playing it instead of looking who's on it. Idiot. Oh, God, hurry up. We'll, um, have, we'll get copyright infringement. <laughs> oh, don't get me started on that. Um, Black Thought, Jahi, YG, and Questlove. Um, it's... Holy shit, that sounds great. It's really great. Um, I've always, I've been a big Public Enemy fan for a long time, ever since they did uh, that collab with Anthrax back in the day. Um, cause I'm a big Anthrax fan and <laughs> which is not something you hear on many podcasts. Uh, but so completely unsurprising among the living. Oh God. It's so good. <laughs> among the living is great. Um, but they also did a judge dread song tying it back to an earlier reference. Um, I am the law is that, that song, but yeah, this one is like a, is like a, obviously a very updated version of fight the power, which is from the early nineties by Public Enemy, just with all the, the MCs I just mentioned. Uh, my favorite part of this one is Black Thought from uh, The Roots. His 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 bars on it are absolutely phenomenal. Definitely tying in everything that's happening right now. And sometimes I feel like, and not, I'm not just saying in hip-hop songs, I'm just saying in songs in general, while we try to capture a moment and talk about current events, sometimes it can feel very forced and, very, and then it comes quickly dated. Uh, this feels like a very seamless remix that can be played for the next 20 years uh which is sad because i wish it wasn't because that means we're yep. still talking about this and still and in the fact we're seeing this remix 30 some odd years later showing like hey we haven't solved shit about race relations in this country is a massive problem great song great remix go listen to it let it sink into your head that shit hasn't changed since the 90s guys and go out there find the charities find the materials to read Support Black Lives Matters, and um, don't be a dick. Is what yeah. I'm saying. So uh, do the right thing, right? I have not seen Do the Right Thing, and um, yeah. I have it many is. movie, um, you know, black holes. Yeah, you gotta. There's there's so many Spike Lee like, movies. I like a lot of Spike Lee movies, uh, but that was one I have not seen. I've seen parts of it, but I have not seen the whole thing. Yeah. Yeah, get the Criterion. Yeah. I don't buy I don't buy movies anymore. Uh, my wife my wife is like you do not buy dvds anymore and i'm like okay um i don't blame her um so we now move into our next segment the watch list which is our recommendation segment about what people should be watching cole i'm going to start with you you've always got good ones for us what should people be watching right now oh we've been watching a lot of things lately um 
We watched, uh, I don't know if I'd recommend it, but we watched Darkman for the first time the other night. With Liam Neeson? Yeah. Yes. Oh, man, that movie. The Sam Raimi film. It, it, it is, it has the most aggressive score I have ever heard in my life. Yeah. It's in every scene. Like, every scene has, like, aggressive strings. It's so bizarre. Yeah. Yeah, it's just a bizarre movie. I think Liam Neeson was miscast in the main role. Yes. I think so too. Yeah, he 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 originally meant it for Bruce Campbell, which would have been amazing. And yeah. the only other person I could see in that role is Nicolas Cage. I think Nick oh, yeah. would have killed it as that character, but it was all right. Um, you know, it was kind of a it was like a lesser Sam Raimi movie. But then the other night we watched A Simple Plan, which we had never seen either, and yeah, that was very good. Yeah, have you seen that one, Bill? I've seen parts of it. Uh, which is, seems to be the running theme for me. Um, I'm going to say that's Bill Paxton, Billy Bob Thornton. Yep, mm-hmm. yep. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's one of the most stressful movies I've watched. I, don't, I was just on edge the whole time. The, do you want to explain the premise? It's just about like a bunch of like uh, hicks just making poor decisions. Yeah, with pretty money. much. Pretty much. That, uh, Bill Paxton, Billy Bob Thornton, and... Some other guy. They're like dumbass friends. He, he's like a Randy Quaid type. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it actually might be Randy Quaid. It's definitely not, but it's uh, something similar. They they come across... Um, $4 million. $4.4 million in cash that is on a, a plane that crashed. The man is dead. And uh, then the entire movie is just them trying to figure out... Um, what to do with the money they're gonna keep it but wait they took the money they should go put some back maybe they don't keep it at all they go to the cops well you take this amount i'll take your amount and then they end up like killing someone oh my several, god several people die several people die lots of bad decisions there's a pregnant woman a birth a double crossing triple crossing it is. Billy Bob Thornton's like the kind of guy that just like doesn't shut up. Like, oh god, he, he just he keeps always talking. says like the wrong thing at the wrong time. Always says the wrong thing. The cop is coming by. It's. I was sweating. But yeah, it was, good. it was a good movie. And then we also watched uh, the Bill and Ted trilogy on Friday. Yes. How is how is I mean we all know the awesomeness of the first two films. How was uh, the third film? I think it's as good as the first two. I, I really, if yeah. you love the first two, I don't see how you could dislike this one. Yes, I, I really liked it. I thought the maybe like the first third was like a little shaky. It was trying to like figure out its footing, but once it got going, I was like, this is so lovely. This is charming. The the acting is great. Samara weaving and God, I can't remember the other. Well, they're a oh, gender the, yeah, they're they're a non-binary actor. Um, Samara Weaving, who is Hugo Weaving's niece, yes, plays Alex Winter's daughter. Alex Winter's daughter and a an incredible Bill... non-binary actor plays uh, um, Bridget Lundley Payne or something thank like that. You pulled that out. Um, they are incredible, yeah. so good. They were great as their daughters. Um, you see some old faces. Death still kicking it. 
Yeah, Love yeah, he's back. He's really good. Um, Ted's dad's in it. But <laughs> yeah. I couldn't, I couldn't believe that honestly. He's yeah. still alive. Ke- Keanu and Alex, like they're they're definitely still Bill and Ted, but like they're older, so they're like not as goofy, but they still like have their essence. It's it's a really good time, and honestly, the end of the movie is like <laughs> it's about a bunch of people trying to save the world when everything is falling apart, mm. and so. It's, Okay, cool. Uh, uh, we can relate. So, um, yeah, that's. Uh, I definitely. If you if you like the the original movies, you have to see this one. The the, the new ones kind of like both of them combined. Yes. Right. Like it, it has the daughters kind of going on an adventure, like in the first one. Mm-hmm. But then, like, there's sort of they go to heaven and hell, or, or they go to hell at yeah. least. Yeah. Just like they do in the second one. Um, you see a bit more of the future world. Um, they, it's they really can, good. They confront a lot of different versions of themselves. Yeah, that that that's kind of like the main crux of this one. Like the first one is like time traveling. The second one, they go to heaven and hell. And this mm-hmm. one is them coming across like alternate versions of themselves, where yeah, they're just like progressively shittier, and then. Yeah. And uh yeah, you see all you see all kinds of different versions of them. It's kind of like an into the spider verse of Bill and Ted. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Well, that's true. Um so I'm gonna pick up because I don't know, Kat Kat, do you have different ones you wanna recommend or are you guys in lockstep yeah. here? No, we're I agree what he said. Uh so I am going to – I don't know if Al is going to jump on or not. I'm messaging with him right now. So I'm going to recommend two things because if he jumps on, at least I'll give him a little you know, leeway here. Uh, the first is something I've talked about on previous podcasts and that is going to be Lovecraft Country. Um, Al is not going to be joining us for tonight because he is a dingle. Um, but uh, – Lovecraft Country on HBO. It also airs on HBO Max uh, right after, I think, right after or at least after the West Coast showing. It is. I have not watched episode three just yet. Uh, recording this on a Monday, it airs every Sunday night at nine o'clock. It's amazing. I am just like this is the first show that I am like in for every single week. I need to watch it more than Westworld, more than the uh, the out, uh, the Outsider, more than Perry Mason, more than anything else HBO has done this year. This is the show. I think the music is amazing. The performances are amazing, uh, especially from Journey Smollett. She is just, this is her star-making performance. She is it. She is the one. She's going to be a huge star because of this. Um, the effects, this, the audacity of what they're doing with this story is insanely awesome. Um and yet, at the same time, with all this fantastical stuff happening, with all this horror, with all this sci-fi and pulp novel stuff, they're still tackling issues like sexism, misogyny, racism, and they do it so well. Obviously, super straight white guy, you know, so I am going to have a different perspective and I'm not going to – might not be able to appreciate it as much, but I am just seeing what people are saying about the show, how it's hitting home and how it's just – such a great representation and every actor in this is phenomenal courtney b vance can never go wrong michael kent williams can never go wrong um it's just a fantastic show uh but what i'm going to recommend is a documentary that just uh was released last friday which i saw the screener for and i still have to write the review for on the site it's called you cannot kill david arquette 
which is about David Arquette's uh, return to pro wrestling. Now, for those who don't know... Bill and I was like, oh my god, Bill must have thoughts on this, and I'm so glad that you're talking about it right now. So 20 years ago, he was in a movie called Ready to Rumble, which was produced by Time Warner, AOL Time Warner, I should say. AOL Time Warner also owned World Championship Wrestling, which they worked, World Championship Wrestling was heavily involved in this film. It's a film about wrestling. And so, in a publicity stunt, basically, they put the world title on a longtime pro wrestling fan, David Arquette, who at the time said, this is a bad idea, but also it's pretty cool because I've been a fan my whole life. He then became the scourge of pro wrestling. He is regarded, that move is regarded as one of the worst things to ever happen in pro wrestling because it was done so terribly and it was so mishandled. And this guy has basically, someone who loves pro wrestling has been a pariah in the industry he loves for 20 years. So this was about his way to right that wrong. Some of it's a bit of heightened storytelling because there's some things that don't jive with the actual real story. And that kind of takes me out of it sometimes, but it's David Arquette is a fascinating subject because he is so charismatic, but so like you feel for this guy at all times. Like this guy goes through a living hell it talks about how he lost his best friend in Luke Perry, who's in the film. It talks about the crazy amount of stress and anxiety he has dealt with. It talks about the trauma he has from his childhood. It talks about how this situation of becoming a champion and have it foisted upon him and being considered a pariah fucked him up. And how he basically worked his ass off, and I have seen these matches, to become a pretty good pro wrestler. That people were like, yo, he's pretty good. And then it talks about how he almost dies in California during a death match because he freaked out. Oh, my God. Yeah. So he was on a – it was on a GCW. He was on a death match with a guy named Nick Gage, and there was a light tube spot where Nick Gage was going to break it on his neck. Nick Gage has been doing this for a long time, and he knew how to do it. David right. Arquette moves, and it cuts – it surface yeah. cuts his jugular. Oh, my surface God. Surface cuts. If he had moved another inch, he'd be dead. I talked to some of the people who ran the show or involved with the show the next day, and they're like, yeah, he freaked out. And he even admits it. And it talks about how this almost took him out of, of wrestling. And no shit. It sh- sh- surely should have. But it's a fascinating documentary. He's a really cool uh, subject to watch. And also listening to Patricia and Rosanna Arquette and Courtney Cox talk about pro wrestling is hilarious in its own right. Uh, but yeah, it's it's got some crazy characters in it. Uh, like I said, some of the heightened storytelling might work for non-wrestling fans, but for wrestling fans who kind of know his journey, you're like, I don't really know if that happened. Uh, but yeah, it's a, it's, a good, it's a good one to check out. It's at drive-thrus right now. And it's also on VOD, so definitely worth your time. It's a it's a very good ninety minute documentary that you should be checking out. I also have another wrestling documentary I'm reviewing called "The Fall and Rise of Vampiro" about a Canadian guy who becomes a massive cult icon in in Mexico and is dealing with the fallout of that, which is cool. I'll be reviewing that as well. Uh, not as mainstream accessible as David Arquette's story, though. So uh, oh. that one I highly recommend because it like you'll watch it and be like, this whole thing is almost unbelievable what I'm watching and but 90% of it is fairly true so we're going to go into our final segment which is going to be glimmer of hope glimmer of hope oh boy oh boy 
which is going to be, yes, in all this crap, there was a lot of good stuff happening. Uh, there is something good happening, and that was the trailer, the long-awaited trailer, uh, for the, the spiritual sequel, uh, I guess, no pun intended on that word, uh, to <laughs> Haunting of Hill House, called The Haunting of Bly Manor, which is uh, written and directed by Mike Flanagan, who did, obviously, Haunting of Hill House, of course, the amazing film that I've talked about in this podcast before, Dr. Sleep. Uh, oh, no. So this is this is inspired by Turning of the Screw, and features a number of players uh, from uh, Haunting of Hill House. Uh, Nelly, uh, the actress played Nelly, is in it. Um, Henry Thomas is going to be in it. Uh, the actor played the um, he played Owen. Uh, he's going to be back, and he was also the lead in uh, Invisible Man, which if you have not seen mm-hmm. that film with Elizabeth Moss from earlier this year, which feels like a decade ago, amazing movie. Go see that. It's basically another haunted house tale. Um, and uh, the actress plays who is Nellie in uh, The Haunting of Hill House is basically playing a nanny, much like in uh, Turning of the Screw, Turn of the Screw, whatever it's called. Uh, guys, let's talk about this. Uh, first off, thoughts on Haunting of Hill House. Uh, Cole, I know you're a big Flanagan fan, so what are your what were your thoughts on that miniseries? Oh, yeah, I loved it. I'm, I'm a big, as you said, a big Flanagan fan or... A flan head, as we call ourselves. Ooh, I definitely want to call myself a flan head. No one says that. No, no one Now says we that. do. It's canon <laughs> yeah. now. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I I actually, I've been a big fan of his since before Haunting of Hill House. I actually first got kind of turned on to him by Ouija, Origin of Evil, which uh, Blumhouse made this movie called Ouija, which is one of the worst movies ever made. Mm-hmm. Right. And then they made the sequel, which everyone loves. Yeah, uh, prequel, sequel, prequel, I guess. Um, It was awesome. I was so taken by uh, just how much more inventive it was visually and just kind of like what was going on in the story and Henry Thomas was in it. And yeah, that really got, got, that put Flanagan on my radar. And then uh, not long afterwards, he did Gerald's Game, which was really, really good. It was a really good thriller. Um, and then he did, he's done a bunch of other movies. Like he did Oculus and he did which, something called Bef- Before I Wake, which I haven't seen. He did Hush, uh, which starred his wife, Kate Siegel, yeah. who was, who's been yeah. in uh, a lot of his films too. Yes, Hush was awesome. Um, have you seen that? Absolutely not. But you could watch it. I, I can't do scary things. It's not that scary. Okay. It's like The Strangers, basically. Okay. Um, but Ooh, that one, The Strangers, oh. man. That one scene where they where they actually was that accidental shooting. Holy shit! Sorry oh. for a movie that's over twelve years old, guys. Um, yeah. But yeah, that one was that one. That's a creepy ass film. Yeah, and then and then he did The Haunting of Hill House, and I was I was all in for it by that point, and I. Uh, and like my expectations were exceeded. It was just I thought it was brilliant. Yeah. The the episode where they do kind of just like three extended takes. It's basically like a stage play. That's, it's just so brilliant. That's in the that's basically at the the wake or the funeral home, I should say. Yeah, and it's basically so many of the shots are just done in one 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 take. It's I was not. That movie, that film, like uh, I'm sorry, that series, a lot like a lot of Netflix stuff, kind of came out of nowhere. 
Yeah. All of a sudden, the trailer dropped, and everyone's like, oh, hi, what are you? you know, hello there. Uh, and then everyone watched it, and the word of mouth just exploded. Yeah. Uh, like Kat, I am not a horror person. I've watched plenty of horror due to my wife. But I watched that, and man, it just takes that haunted house, you know, idea, and you're just like, wow, this just goes in so many, like, directions about trauma and yeah. just yeah. – and, and also – scary as shit and then you go late after you see it you get all the articles of like here's all the ghosts you miss and you're like oh yeah i have yeah. to go back and watch it now the, the hidden faces that that's the stuff that like wigs me out it's like oh yeah it, i just it's, got it's goosebumps in my life from that <laughs> it's difficult enough watching a show that albeit like i, I will admit i only saw probably half of the haunting of hill house it was so well made and the acting is great and it was so well executed, but it's like, it's really heavy material. Like you're talking about like addiction, child abuse, suicide. Like it's, ghosts. it's very heavy. What did you say, Bill? Ghosts. Oh yeah. Ghosts. Then their faces just like appearing and ugh, yeah, it's, it's a oh, lot. A whole bunch of kittens die. <gasps> I forgot that. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Uh, they're not breaking up don't worry um oh just the part at um the part with timothy hutton cole you know the part where they're by the uh, staircase towards i won't say it's the end of the show but it's towards the end of the show wink wink um uh, that was just and his res his final conclusion was crazy the bent neck lady reveal is oh uh, yeah that yeah oh uh, uh, i i yeah. just oh that just killed there's, him. There's like this one like random like monologue by the caretaker of the home that's like it's like brilliant acting. He it, the, the camera's just on this guy for like 20 minutes just telling this like horrific story and you're so enraptured by it. It's so good. Oh, yeah. It's it just it's just one of those shows that I did not think would be good on a second viewing and it really was. And, yeah, and we, we've all been chopping at the bit for this sequel. So, Cole, what's your what? Uh, I'll go to you first. What was your take on the trailer for the new series, Haunting of Bly Manor? Um, I mean, it, it, it honestly it, it looks a lot of more the same sort of thing, but it just it, it's just a whole different story. It, it's kind of hard to tell because, like the Haunting of Hill House, it, it's I think it's loosely based on the book that it's based on. Yeah. Mm -hmm. To the point where it's just, it's like a totally different title. Um, it looked like it had some different, like, kind of new elements to it. I saw, like, a creepy doll moving. Oh, like, that, that's that's something new. That's what we need, more creepy dolls out there. Yeah. Um, yeah, but it, it just, it looks like more, but, like, not, like, kind of redundant. It, it looks good. Uh, like, I'm very, uh, I'm very excited for it. It's okay. Creepy dolls. Thoughts. Uh, Thoughts. He, Cole started playing the trailer, and I just heard a little girl going like, and immediately I'm just like, no, like, what? Why does it have to be so scary? I'm, I, what I've seen of Mike Flanagan's work, I really, really like. To me, he is an example of a director who has a vision and he executes it, and it's so good. And I will appreciate the show watching it over your shoulder in the dark and walking in and out of the room when it gets too scary 
Yeah, um, yeah I, I definitely, I definitely during Hill House at times looked down at my computer, or looked at, took my glasses off. Yeah, I've done that too, man. So don't, don't, ain't no shame yeah. in that. My my thoughts on this were, I thought with like when they started doing the creepy dolls, I was like, ah, oh, fuck. I'm like, really? Like this is every goddamn right. horror movie. But when the little, right. when the little girl turns and goes, basically like, hey, shut up. I know you're here. I'm just like that's more fucked up than the creepy dolls because this little girl is either like in control of them or there's something worse going on here. Um, They didn't give away a ton, which I'm glad because like, I guess my fear is just like, how do you top Hill house? Cause that was one, I think one of the best shows I've seen in a very long time. Um, So I'm glad I didn't give away too much, but I'm very excited for this because it's just like Mike Flanagan, the one I want to transition to is Dr. Sleep, which was a wildly did not gross well at the box office. I've talked about it in the pod before was one of the better movies I saw from 2019. Oh yeah, uh, definitely. Top I, five for sure. I know uh, Matt and Marissa are a big Rose the Hat stands. I mean, that, that's that, true. I mean, they, they love themselves from Rose the Hat and to be, to be fair, she's pretty fucking great. <laughs> you know, Rebecca Ferguson's oh, just an awesome Actress, I mean, if you've ever seen the last two Mission Impossible movies, she makes them a lot better. Um, and those are pretty good movies. Uh, but what it do you guys... So, I, I just wanted to see him do The Shining now. I know. Oh, fuck. How good would that be? With Henry Thomas is Jack Nicholson. <laughs> yeah. So, okay, so there's... Uh, spoilers. Uh, what, did you get, what did you guys think of that reveal when Henry Thomas was Jack Nicholson? Because when in the theater I was in, I heard a couple groans. Ugh. I, I thought it was great. Like, I don't know why. I mean, like, it's either that or they do the Irishman thing where they look like animated Ugh. characters. And I'm no. so glad they didn't do that. And, you know, I thought they were really clever in how they did it. They don't use them too much. And, like, you only see them in profile or from certain angles. So, I mean, I thought it was good. I thought, like, Henry Thomas was, like, actually a very cool choice to play that character because he played, like, uh, he he was in. He's a little boy from ET. Yeah. So I mean, he's kind of like he's kind of like the kid from The Shining, like the from the original movie. So to take a care to take an actor from that generation mm-hmm. and to have him now play the Jack Nicholson part, I think was like pretty interesting. And yeah, I mean, I, th- I and, thought he was good. And who knew he looks so much like Jack Jack Nicholson? Like I know. Yeah. I just watched it. I'm like, fuck, he. He looks like him, like and, and I thought, like bringing him back just for that brief moment, I thought was was a really great moment. Yeah, uh, they, they didn't overdo it. No, and and honestly, like we both really like The Shining. Like, despite sure. me, I don't like horror movies. I think The Shining is a, a fucking incredible movie. There's so many layers to it. Stephen Kubrick is extremely problematic. We're gonna table that. But uh, I saw. Some of the people, like, namely critics who were upset with, like, how The Shining was kind of depicted in the movie and they thought it was, like, kind of cheap and everything. I never felt that at all. Like, I totally bought into the story and the emotion that was happening with the scenes. Like, you know, when it would cut to, God, I do not know this actress name who was playing Shelley Duvall's character. She did such a good job. And, like, I just, I bought into it the whole time. Yeah. The whole time. Yeah. Dr. Sleep. Everyone slept on Dr. Sleep, but it's time to wake up and see the movie. I just think, I think Mike Flanagan should do every Stephen King adaptation. Oh, hell yeah. He's doing another one. Yeah, Yeah, he totally is, yeah. I thought The Haunting of Hill House 
was a better version of it than the it movies. Oh, uh, like it, like the way it's like uh, like the way Hill House is structured, where it's like the five five of them, and it keeps going back from when they're kids, mm-hmm. and then it flashes forward to, or, or I guess it's like when they're adults, and it flashes back to when they're kids, right. and you kind of start seeing like drips and drabs of like what happened and like there's different like every episode like focuses on one of the different siblings it's like the whole first half of the book the it book where it's just like they're like here's you know so and so and he was this kid in the losers club and i mean even like one of them is like an author like the lead kid grows up to be an author yeah i mean it, it, it felt it felt intentional to me it felt like it was like taking a lot from the it book um, just at least structure-wise, and I don't know. Like I thought it worked a bit better than the two movies that came out. That's that's probably because Stephen King was inspired by Shirley. What is her name? Jackson. Shirley Jackson, the um, horror writer who wrote the book that inspired the haunting of, who wrote the book The Haunting of Hill House. I think it was just called The Haunting. Yeah. yeah. Did you guys see the? Um... I recently watched the late 90s uh, version of The Haunting with Liam Neeson, Owen Wilson, Catherine uh, Zeta-Jones, yeah. and Lily Taylor. Hot garbage, in my opinion. But, like, <laughs> w- what did you... Have you guys seen that one? Yes. <laughs> no, Kat, that movie is not scary at all. It is, it is pure late 90s kitsch at this point it sucks have you watched the um the shining tv miniseries With Steven, that Stephen Steven, king was like Steven very uh, very much a part of my wife my wife saw it um and it was like because she read the book and it's like where the topiaries move and the guy yep, from wings yep, yep. Stephen weber is he's jack torrance uh, yeah they, they used uh, to yeah. show it on sci-fi channel all the time yeah i just watched it for the first time and i just uh read the shining for the first time and Oh, and then we watched Rose Red, that TV miniseries that. Oh, wow, Stephen... I forgot about that one. Yeah, yeah. It's the it, it's it was Stephen King doing a riff on Hill House because he wanted to do an adaptation of Shirley Jackson's The Haunting, but right. he couldn't get the rights to it, so that he just ripped it off basically. And it was terrible. Yeah, it, it wasn't. Was it wasn't great. Well, we have the. I think we have the Stand coming out later this year. Yeah, CBS. From, uh, the... Mutants director. No. Oh, I did not know that. Uh, it's uh, CBS All Access. Yeah. Oh God, I don't know. Like, I can't watch The Stand right now. Yeah. There's it's a, too... a lot of things I can't watch right now. Uh, yeah. But yeah, yeah. so we're all in. It looks like on on Blind Matter. That's going to be another. It's going to be a massive hit for Netflix because Hill House was just. I felt like that was like, at least three to four weeks of just like people raving about that show Not yeah stop. i remember the the last time uh, i mean aside from maybe stranger things or whatever but like a show that everyone was watching on netflix and everyone's like oh this is amazing oh yeah i felt like people were talking about hill house longer than they talked about the later season of stranger things yeah. I, I felt like everybody was like over stranger things three after like the first weekend they came out yeah because you watch it a whole weekend you're like okay i finished it now we can move on but yeah i mean i, I love that season but it's like yeah exactly it's just like because it's just it's not like season one where that was mm-hmm. so unique and so different and we talk i mean that I, i've said it before like stranger things season one was the reason i got back on netflix because i was an original like 
send me your DVDs, guy, and like <laughs> let me time my return so I can get that new thing I want to see. What's streaming? That sounds dumb. Um, yeah. Which is literally something I've said um, t- 12 years <laughs> ago. And yeah, and that's what got me back. But it was so unique and so original. I just hope that's what we get here because I'm all in on Mike Flanagan just b- taking stories. I'm like, I'm just going to make brilliance because, like I said, Doctor Sleep, great. Hill House, great. Uh, I haven't seen Hush. I heard great things. And like you said, Ger- you're one of many people I know that says Gerald's. Because it was like Gerald's game and there was another one. It was like 1917 or something like that. Or... Oh, 1922. That, that, was, uh, that was someone else that did that. They came, yeah, they almost came out at the same time. And obviously Gerald's game was way more well-received. And then there was like the something with the tall grass that came out that I can't a Stephen King. Yeah, King. yeah, there was a few. Yeah, I think it was called In the Tall Grass. Yeah, that looked interesting, but that like fizzled out very quick. So, guys, um, because Al's not here, this has been a little bit of a shorter episode for us. Um, so, thank you for for coming out, hanging out. Uh, where can people find? Well, Cole, uh, if you want to promote yourself, um, where can people find you on the internet or uh, stuff well, you've can, done that you want to find me on Letterbox? Yeah. Letterboxd. What's your what's your name on Letterboxd? It's just my name. It's C O L E R O T H A C K E R. There's no there's no W in there, despite what Jonathan Ross says. Mm-hmm. Uh, Kat, where can people find you online? You can find me on Twitter. My handle is cat with a K uh, underscore wild with an E at the end. I'm also on Instagram. Cat goes to shows. I'm also on Letterboxd. It is the same handle as my Twitter. Um, I actually really liked Letterboxd. It's a really cool interactive app. Um, I like just reading other people's thoughts on movies and then getting mad at some of their reviews and then liking other reviews. And uh, yeah. someone, someone I follow gave Bill and Ted three like one star. I think you, I, I think you clipped that and put it on Twitter. Yeah, I, I, I just unfollowed him. I didn't even think twice about it. it it's someone I've been following for years, but then I, I just unfollowed him for that. Yeah, it's interesting. I, I don't know how, but I ended up following a, a girl who just uh, does vegan reviews, meaning she reviews movies and then tells you if there's vegan or not vegan moments in them. Oh, I'm not even vegan, but I find this fascinating. That's a I'm lot like, of work. <laughs> I, I admire the dedication. She the films. She also reviews the oh, films, okay. but always the underscore of like um, vegan alert. There was a Thanksgiving scene, so you know, one out of five stars for the vegan. Yeah, yeah. There's a lot of cool things on that site. Like you can find like really like very specific lists, or you can find yeah. like every Criterion movie or every movie in AFI's top 100 or something. Or you can see what percentage of Samuel L. Jackson movies you've seen. Yeah. Well, that'd be interesting to see how many I've yeah. seen. I feel like I've seen a lot. I yeah. Did, I did see the I've seen the Long Kiss Goodnight, so. Yeah. Which is yeah. Very if, underrated. If you log like pretty much every movie you've ever seen in your in your life, you can like actually see a very accurate readout of like what you watched the most. Like you know, I'm a I love horror movies, but I've actually seen way more like animated movies and comedies than horror movies which caught me by surprise so it's it's interesting to kind of yeah. help keep track of your movie watching habits. i know there's a lot of pop break people on letterbox you know matt's on there i know alex and marissa and george Heffler. Sure. yeah he recently followed me thank you george george I at the best little horror house in horror 
Her House in Philadelphia podcast, which I was a guest on not long ago, talking about Big Trouble in Little China. My favorite. Speaking of Samuel L. Jackson movies, I just looked. I have seen 20% of his films, which does not seem very high, but he's in so many things. He's like, like he's like Anthony Quinn. He's made like a million movies. Yeah, I mean... I that, that's why I love you, Bill. Only you are making a reference to Anthony Quinn in the I've year seen, of our 2020. I've seen Guns of Navarone 4,000 times, so I better. <laughs> this is my dad's <laughs> favorite movie. Oh, yeah. we Zorba the Greek is very important in my household. Oh, well, yeah. I, I'm one of my... In college, my former managing editor for when we were at school paper, she was, as she would say, mad Greek. And she... Yeah. Zorba was on every family party, was on constantly. Oh, yeah. But where can people find you, Bill, on the internet? Oh, they shouldn't. Um, <laughs> <laughs> if you just want to hear me talking about wrestling and, you know tweeting hangman page gifts words about drinking i'm at bodkin writes w-r-i-t-e-s uh, most importantly i am on the because i'm the editor-in-chief and owner of the site we'll be celebrating our 11th year of existence um at the end of this month which is pretty rad wow. like i said i have uh, david Ar- you cannot kill david arquette and the rise of the fall and rise of vampiro reviews coming up Amongst other things, I'm sure I'll be talking about wrestling this week. It's a big week for wrestling, and because uh, I write about it a lot, I also will be doing some Lovecraft stuff at the later parts of this month, and probably other stuff, but check out thepopbreak.com every single day, at popbreak.com, all spelled out on Twitter, uh, forward slash popbreak.com, all spelled out on Facebook, at the popbreak on Instagram. Most importantly, hey, the Social Distance Podcast is on Spotify. It's on Apple Podcasts. It's on Google Podcasts. It's on Anchor. Give us a follow. Rate, review, subscribe. Tell us how much you love us. Uh, we also have Pop Break TV on all those same channels. We have The Breakcast on SoundCloud and Apple Podcasts, where you see a lot of different stuff coming up there. And we have And the Winner Still Is, which just got on Anchor. And I think we'll be pushing to Spotify very shortly, which is our retrospective Oscar series, Oscar series hosted by Matt Taylor and Mr. Carpico. So... Four, Cat Manos. Four, Cole Rawr. Because I wanted to do a Jonathan. I wanted to do a Jonathan Ross impersonation very poorly. And for the non-existent Al Manorino, my name is Bill Bodkin. Thank you for joining us for 24 weeks of the Socially Distanced Podcast. Mm-hmm.